thanks for joining me on episode 29 of On The Rocks. Three years of podcasting has taught me that a man with a mic and a sizable audience can land some of the most interesting figures, and today's guest is a prime example. A few weeks ago, my friend Lance served as a host for resurging professional tennis player Christina Vozniak as she competed in a week-long tournament here in Charleston. Upon arrival, Lance asked if I would practice with her as I play a good bit of tennis. After she ran me all over the court, I learned that the Ukrainian native had her MBA and postponed a promising legal career to renew her professional tennis dreams at the age of 25. I respect that decision, and I was interested in her perspective on how she balanced her love for tennis with the challenges of the Ukrainian war as she has family and friends engaged in the battle. Hearing a Ukrainian's perspective on the atrocities in that nation and their resolve to remain sovereign is inspiring. This is her story. Well, Christina, good to see you. Thank you for joining us on this edition. Um, it's been a wild week. You know, I didn't even know you four or five days ago, which is amazing. But um, uh, obviously, uh, as our listeners will hear and learn today, um, you're a pro tennis player and a variety of other things. But uh, I think before we even get into tennis, background, where you're from, your history, mm-hmm. your journey to the States, that's super interesting to me. So mm-hmm. tell, tell me the story. Yeah. So my name is Kristina Vozniak. I am 26. I was born in western Ukraine in the city Ivano-Frankivsk, but then I moved to Kiev when I was nine. Played tennis my whole life since I was seven, and then living in Ukraine for a while, and then decided to go play college in America. Nice. So I went to play for Stony Brook for a year, and then I knew I needed a better competition and a better conference, so I transferred to Mississippi State, where I finished my career. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So that's a big jump from the Ukraine to the States. Talk me, talk, walk me through that. Like, yeah. It's I mean, a, that, you went on your own? Yes. I came alone. I was 17 years old. It was a big change for sure. I lived and watched all of the American movies and listening to American music. And a lot of my friends were really happy for me that I'm moving there. I was really excited. I wasn't so scared um, going over here alone and being so far away from home. I landed uh, in J- JFK, and that's how my journey in America started. And that's it's been, cool. Yeah, it's been really cool. Yeah. Now, um, for us Americans who don't really get a lot of European exposure, we only get all we know about Ukraine is probably what we read mm-hmm. the mainstream news, mm-hmm. which is um, maybe accurate, may yeah. not. Mm-hmm. Um, well, tennis. I mm-hmm. mean, that part of the world. First of all, I, I watch a lot of tennis, and you've beaten my self pretty good this week so I know I've helped you with your confidence this week because I but but I like watching it and I've noticed that a lot of players are from you know the best players are usually international players Mm -hmm. Um, yeah and was was there a big tennis vibe in the Ukraine Mm -hmm. I I don't know yeah um, tennis is still a pretty expensive sport over there but people do love tennis and following we have a really good women's tennis players where you know a lot of them are top 100 right now so a lot of people follow and support them men's tennis is a little bit weaker but still a lot of people know and recognize our tennis players and it's a pretty famous sport there i'd say and the other sport is soccer so there's two i guys. guess tennis you don't really 
I mean, I guess if you have courts, you don't. Have, it doesn't have to be like golf. You always have to pay fees. And, you know, you know. Yeah. I guess tennis, you could kind of play for free in general. You know. Yeah, yeah. Ukraine still doesn't have public courts, so it's a. It was a big surprise for me to arrive here. And now you can walk up to a court and just play on it. So tennis is still considered a really expensive sport, and it's really nice that in America you have an access to public courts. So if you truly want to play, you can always go have your parent feed you or. Just go practice with somebody and hit on a free court. I think that's very beneficial for. Were your parents? Did they play? Your dad play? Or they what? never played. No, my dad did some cycling. My mom is not really an athlete, but tennis I picked up because I was getting sick a lot and I was supposed to be a swimmer. Um, ah. Yeah, but the pool was closed, so then I went behind the pool. There was a tennis court, so I started playing. That's cool. And I loved it since day one. Yeah. No. 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 Walk me through what's going on in the world. You know, and I I read the Wall Street Journal mostly in the New York mm-hmm. Times. I understand that there's a counteroffensive in the mm-hmm. Ukraine right now. Like, give me the Ukrainians' perspective on what's going on in Europe, because us in America, we just don't know. We, I think, we have a lot of support for the Ukraine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a lot of aggression. It seems like uh, it seems like um, Putin and Russia have, mm-hmm. you know, been very. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly the right word. Just challenging uh-huh. to yeah. the entire region I, over there, yeah. not just the Ukraine. Yeah. So. And I would agree with your statement. It's like Putin and Russia. There's so many Russians supporting this, and I think it's big part of me being here and i'm usually trying to speak out loud about what's going on because it's very important to me it's my home country so it's the whole when the war started i was actually at a tennis tournament and it impacted me really harshly i was i felt always really connected to my home country to my language to my nation so when the war started took me out of life i'd say for a few months because it was really hard to deal that somebody came to our home and killing my people and ruining our cities Heartbreaking. I think it was last year. Couldn't really, couldn't really find happy place. Couldn't really be happy when I knew that my homeland is going through that. So I think a lot of Ukrainians and as I'm thankful, Americans too are very supportive and they understand who is in a wrong and who is in a right. And for me, you know, I for me it's really important to know history of my country and history between Russia and Ukraine to really understand where this war came from. I can't say it was a surprise. Russia's so, always. Well, what is that history, though, for us that don't know it? Yeah. So, so Russia's been always oppressing its countries. Coming out of Soviet Union, it has started many wars. As in Ukraine, they my Ukrainian language was forbidden about sixty times. Ah. You weren't allowed to speak it. You weren't around, allowed to write in it. So there's a lot of people who died for Ukrainian language and for us to be independent. And in 1991, when we finally gained the independence. That's what a lot of people say. We kind of gained it with no fight. It was given to us. So a lot of people say that this is our fight to actually, you know. It's, it's the battle for independence. 100%. Yeah. And so it was annexed in 1991. Is that what happened? I don't know that, that history. So. 1991, we just basically, a lot of countries were separating from Soviet Union. And ah. Ukraine was one of the last ones to do that. So that's why a lot of... Because that was the fall of the Soviet Union, I guess, at that it time. Was bef- yeah, yeah, right yeah, but it was now. before that. But Ukraine was like the last one to, yeah. Okay. So for and these sure. trains, there's a lot of natural resources there, from what I read. It is, but I, yeah, I don't think there's Russia is after that because they they have a lot of natural resources, and for them, few kilometers of Ukrainian land. I don't think it's really principle, but for Putin, there's a lot of like Ukrainians are always fighting. Ukrainians want to be with Europe and part of European Union. We do not want to be part of Russia. I don't know anybody in my life who is, wants to be move that direction. All the young people, my parents, I know hundreds of people who want to move European direction and be like France, like Germany, yeah. like those countries, not like Russia. Uh, what is the 
Russians people's perspective. I mean, mm-hmm. or is it, I mean, we hear that, mm-hmm. you know, all we see is the news, but I have a feeling mm-hmm. like there's probably some dissidents in the, you know, yeah. in Russia themselves that probably don't agree with this movement. hundred percent, hundred percent. But I think it's all about the bravery to come out and protest, you know, and a lot of people are saying, yeah, but they're scared and they're all of that. Um, a great documentary to watch on Netflix. It's called uh, Winter on Fire. It's about the revolution in Ukraine and how Ukrainians were protesting against the pro-Russian president that we had. So I think it's all in the bravery. We were also there were also police beating us up during this revolution, but they still stood strong because we knew what we're standing for. So it all comes down to bravery and really a desire to live in a free country. Got it. Okay, um, so you were. When did you make your decision to come play tennis in the states? How old were mm-hmm. you? I was 16 years old, and that was kind of two paths for me. One of them is potentially finding a sponsor and turning professional and going to play professionally, or the second option was to go to American college. Of course, yeah. I wanted to go play professionally, but that little sponsor thing fell through. And I felt like maybe it could be my parents suggested me it could be a good idea to go play and then play professional after college. That's how I ended up in America. And it's been nine yeah, years I, I live here. Yeah. yeah. What do you think of the state? I think it's when people say it's the greatest country in the world, I think I would agree with that. Really? Yeah, it is. Wow. <laughs> it is a pretty great country in a lot of ways, you know, uh, economically, the way the cities are, infrastructure, I mean, it's a, it's a very convenient and very easy country to live in. Nice. It's a different culture, different mentality, of course, there's it's a whole nother topic, but as a country in common... <laughs> <laughs> we got our own set issues over here, okay? <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I really respect this country and I think it's, it's a great place to live. I don't think it's ever going to be my home. You know, it's hard for me to find that feeling of like how I feel at home and where I was born. Still my roots and still, you know, my native land where I'm from. But America is, is a really great country. Yeah. Now, you, but just to be fair, as I've learned this week, you didn't just come and play a little tennis. You actually have quite a career and mm-hmm. you, I think you left a pretty successful, mm-hmm. you know, uh, job. I think you got your MBA yes. as well mm-hmm. quickly. And then you were working in a f- fairly high profile position to, yeah. You know, that is a big decision yeah. to leave a very successful life um, mm-hmm. to go play tennis. Mm-hmm. What was that? Mm-hmm. How did you come to that conclusion? Overall, when I moved to Tulsa to get my MBA, it took me two years. And one of the summers, when I had a summer break for my MBA, I was able to go over to Europe and Africa and play professional tournaments. And I was able to get first professional points, but it was only three months, a really short period of time that I was able to play. I wanted to come back to Tulsa and finish my MBA, which was few few months left. And as soon as I graduated December 21, I wanted to go play full-time. But a month later, a war started, which right. it was really hard for me to reset and kind of focus on tennis when there was so much going on in my life. So I worked in this law firm, uh, mar- being a marketing person, marketing position. And then I finally, a year passed, and I understood that Tennis is always what I always wanted to do. The time is passing by, 26. It's not super young, but not super old. Yeah, I mean, in tennis, like, I mean, 14, 15 exactly. is when people get rolling, really. Exactly, right? so. yeah. So I felt like I can always get a job. You know, I have two degrees now. I've had a professional experience. And it's going to be easy once tennis is done, but you can't play tennis your whole life. So I'm giving it about one or two years to play and enjoy this time. 
And after, I think I would want to switch gears and do something with business, you know, in yeah, my totally. degrees. Yeah. But yeah. for now, I'm enjoying this period and I'm very blessed that I'm able to do this. And I, listen, as a semi-pro amateur golfer here <laughs> that I am, uh, I'm trying now that I'm 47 to go maybe play some senior tour golf, which starts at 50. Mm-hmm. Um, so I respect trying to be an athlete at <laughs> exactly. any time of life you want to, okay? Exactly. So, and I thought I was a really good tennis player until you came in town. <laughs> And I'm working on it. As soon as you get out of here, I'm going to start working hard on this game. But, um, That's amazing. Do you, do you think your, uh, I guess your background and the way you grow up, mm-hmm. do you think it helps you in your sport? I mean, mm-hmm. you've been through a lot of challenges. Do you, and tennis is a super independent. Mm-hmm. You're out there on your own. Nobody's helping you. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you have an advantage in that regard? Because you had such a, um, I don't know, just a, uh, a unusual upbringing. Yes. Yeah. 100% and overall being raised in Ukraine, it's not the easiest thing, you know, it's a pretty harsh country, my parents didn't have a lot of money, me growing up, so it's never been easy, but I think now coming off, you know, the stress with the war, like for me, I was usually never really anxious person or stress person, and for me, since the war started, I started understanding the word of stress, but I think I give myself grace knowing that I'm going through a really tough period in my life, but also all my soldiers and people are really inspiring me to you know play tennis it's part of it i know i can represent my country totally and do well and what you know my skills are and how i've been playing for so long representing it would be really important so i think it is really beneficiary to me knowing how you know how i was raised knowing what my people are doing now and my friends who are fighting for ukraine it's really really inspiring so the people back in ukraine right now i mean are they all i mean many of them are in battle 100 percent. yeah our neighbors are Two of our neighbor's sons, uh, one of them came back from Italy, one of them came back from Poland to go fight in the war. They both Was had... that volunteer? Did they came back? Or they, yes, like, they, like, there they wasn't bo- a, no, a draft. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, the draft started, but it was people in Ukraine, but those guys came back because they really wanted to protect, and they have young kids, you know? Every time I hear those stories and my mom tells me about it, always I cry a little bit, and then I reset, and I just think back how impressive that is. What so and I will jump back to tennis in a minute, but mm-hmm. what do you think the long term what what happens in this battle? Mm-hmm. I mean, I have my own sort of mm-hmm. hypothetical theories. Mm-hmm. Um, I, do you think that I mean, obviously, I think the Ukraine's doing a lot better mm-hmm. than Putin expected, 100%. and this is a problem. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, you, you know, you give up some land. I yeah. mean, what's the, what what would if you were you know, mm-hmm. Zelensky at this stage. I yeah. mean, what kind of deal would you be cutting? Because he's got to be thinking about this stuff. 100%. Like, how do we get this over with? Hundred so. percent. Yeah, completely support our president and a lot of people. I think the support rate of the president is like ninety three percent or the something. Man. He's, yeah, he's so cool. He's incredible. And, and, and he used to be a comedian. Uh, yes. Like, for, like you yes. know all this, but mo- most folks in the United States, we just we have so much news thrown at us. It's uh-huh. hard to keep up. So no, he's incredible. A lot of people respect him, and we really enjoy what he's doing. But as a Ukrainian, I don't believe we need to be given up any territory. I always share a story of my friend who is from Eastern Ukraine and 2014 when Russia first invaded Ukraine, his family had to leave their business, leave their homes and run away and they moved to Kiev. So it was uh, 2014 and now <clears throat> it's 2022 and Russia comes again. So can you imagine resetting your life twice, resetting your businesses twice and yeah. now they moved to Europe twice Russia kicked them out, out of their country and out of their home. So I don't believe giving up our territories, giving up on our people who live there is right because I personally know people from there. So ideally they need to move back. All our territories should be ours. People should go back to their homes and houses. 
and overall when an invader comes to your home you protect yourself you find the invader off and you kick them out you don't let them take your home i give the same analogy of like if you're sitting watching a tv with your family and somebody comes through your door and just tries to take your you know your whole house or kill your wife or kill your kids you're gonna protect yourself so and i agree with you i mean but i'm I'm also i lived in dc for 15 years i know politics Mm -hmm. and i know that there has to be a for this to get resolved, it probably has to be a way for Putin to save face, you know, to mm-hmm. not be embarrassed by this. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to think as a, from a leadership mm-hmm. perspective, what kind of things can you put together mm-hmm. where he can say that they, mm-hmm. you know, won or mm-hmm. whatever or didn't lose, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. 100%. So I wonder what kind of negotiations are behind the scenes. Yeah. I think it's amazing to see how many, you know, China's kind of an interesting, mm-hmm. they're starting to sort of lose their support, mm-hmm. I think, to some degree. But I think it's amazing how much support has come to the Ukraine. Yeah. You know, in the States, we have, it's very hard because we can't go directly. It's, you know, you don't, you don't want to instigate anything. And mm-hmm. I think Zelensky's in an interesting position where he has yeah. to say, we need more, but yeah. thank you. You mm-hmm. know, or he can't really criticize too much, but no, he also, you know, not. but he also, yeah. we, they need more weaponry. Mm-hmm. So it's just a Absolutely. complex situation. Absolutely. Right now. So, yeah. anyways. But I think we really need to teach Russia the lesson that it can keep invading countries every few years if you look at the history how many wars russia started it's incredible uh, how many devastating yeah. lives how much they've cost to countries around europe bounce back to tennis um you're this is your first match in a year yes. here in charleston mm-hmm. so for those that don't know the story my friend here in town was housing you and he's mm-hmm. a good buddy of mine and then i was like i want to hit with this girl she's that good she's not that good i can beat her and then you blew me off the court in front of my kids which is awesome my son's like dad you get crushed man and i was like i, know. I, know. I took it easy yeah thank you for that. <laughs> but um walk, walk me through tennis as mm-hmm. a sport what you do to mm-hmm. prepare you know the lifestyle you live mm-hmm. the dedication i know you've been super focused this mm-hmm. week maybe a little bit too focused <laughs> frankly mm-hmm. but um ha- ha- the lifestyle that you live as a as a pro athlete, mm-hmm. you know, you got to stay healthy, you got to mm-hmm. go to sleep early. What are the things you do to keep yourself mentally, physically, emotionally healthy? Mm-hmm. 100%. Uh, <laughs> having a routine is very important for me. I've always been a pretty disciplined uh, person, never really gone out, never really had a lot of fun because I was always so focused on tennis. Would it be in college? Would it be post college? Really staying in my routines. It's been a few months that I've started practicing and playing a few times since I left my law firm job it's been probably two months that i'm doing this full time it's been a change you know sometimes i feel guilt that i'm not making money and you know it's kind of hard switching from a salary job to just wasting money and you know spending money on tennis but i'm dealing with that but trying to plan my day trying to spread out practices fitness sessions eating healthy i like to go to bed early wake up early and just keeping myself in check in those ways yeah yeah yeah, and now looking out for tournaments where I'm going to play next. It's also a big decision as I can go back home to train. Where Where's my coach who's really helpful to me? So it's kind of hard trying to find a base where I'm going to be practice and be practicing and then playing tournaments. Um, when you're on the court, because I, 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 I like independent sports mm-hmm. myself. Tennis and golf are what I love to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I play a little basketball mm-hmm. when I was young, but you know. There's you're really battling yourself mm-hmm. more often than mm-hmm. I think in tennis than necessarily your opponent. Mm-hmm. Do you do you? I know in golf we struggle because if I hit a bad shot, mm-hmm. I've got four minutes to think about how mm-hmm. awful of a golfer I am mm-hmm. before I hit the next one. In tennis, you got twenty seconds and yeah. you're back on. So, um, 
do you feel like you're playing more a mental game at this stage? Maybe all the talents fairly similar, but you yeah. really have to have a mind. Or how do you how do you yeah, tackle I com- these? Things? I completely agree with that, and I think now me coming back to competition after not competing for so long, it's finding that edge of like resetting quicker, you know, and really finding even if you lost a few points, really resetting and starting over again. I really like reading different psychology books, and yeah. I think it's really helpful in trying to see what tricks some top athletes use um it's really nice how many books we have you can access or videos or podcasts that you can listen to that's really helpful for an athlete or talking to mentors who can really guide you what to do next and how to approach certain things or yeah during the match that you go through so this week is your you have your fifth match today yeah i'm about to play yeah yeah yeah. what have you learned this week Mm -hmm. i mean you and i've talked a lot and i've it's been so much fun getting to know you Mm -hmm. um do you think you've evolved just this week alone? Yeah, or, or, I mean, 100% little by little, just being on a court and knowing now I'm competing for in a tournament and actually matters. It's really different. And as I said, coming off of this year, just finding that edge of like competitiveness and just resetting quicker because this year has been really hard for me as I've talked about the war. But yeah, I've been, I think every match is just trying to get back on track. And as you said, skills wise, at this point, we all know how to hit the ball, how to serve, and yeah, all the yeah. little shots. So it's more about finding that winning edge and staying mentally tough through matches. And it also, like, mental toughness comes the more matches you play. I think you start finding it more. I remember playing in Tunisia and all of these tournaments. When you get in a role, it just gets so much easier when you compete week after week. So I'm excited. This was my first tournament, and I'm ready to keep playing more and getting more matches on. Are you gonna? Uh, are you now? And we talked about this earlier in the week when we were talking about strategy. Are you now, when I watch, you know, I watched a little of the French Open yesterday, see Novak versus, uh, who was he playing, Alcaraz. Mm-hmm. Um, do you change your strategy depending on how your opponent is reacting or what they're doing? Like, I, I, I think a lot of women are really good at ground strokes. Mm-hmm. And they almost pa- park mm-hmm. out there on the baseline and just say, I'm going to get everything back. Do you 100%. ever think about that? Do you, like, throw in some slice or... Hit volleys yeah. and whatever, I don't know. So. I th- yeah, I think it's creative tennis is, first of all, much better to watch for uh, for people watching, you know, for spectators watching Iga now play. It's so exciting with her. She is really good at the baseline, but she also can do a variety of things. It's very interesting for, sp- uh, for people who are watching, but also when you play a creative game, it just... For me, when I start drop shotting and slicing and coming up with new combinations, I think it's, it shows that I'm really confident I'm playing my tennis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's it's very important. Still, I believe that, you know, when I play my best tennis, I just pay attention to myself. And if I show up as my best tennis, I think usually I win those matches. But creativity is big for me too, yeah. Um, I've had some pro golfers on this mm-hmm. show before, this podcast before, and we, you know, I always think I'm a pro golfer, which I'm just not. Um, but you know, the, 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 the someday, you know, if there's a, a league over seventy, then I've got a chance. <laughs> but um, but I, one of them I remember was uh, played on the PGA Tour for uh-huh. twenty years. He was my swing coach out here. His name was mm-hmm. Ron Ceruto, and he was good. Mm-hmm. I mean, twenty years on the PGA is a good time, a good, That's a good career. Yeah, That's a uh, long and he was career. out here giving us lessons and helping me. And, he, uh-huh. and unfortunately. He's not been feeling well, so mm-hmm. I haven't seen him in a while. But I asked him, I, so he grew up in, you know, the Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer mm-hmm. era and played against all those guys. And I asked him, I was like, hey, man, 
were you ever intimidated uh-huh. by anybody on the course? Uh-huh. He's like, absolutely not. I was uh-huh. as good as anybody. I was better than everybody. Yeah. I mean, like, this guy was 70 at the time telling me this. He, wow. So he literally never thought anybody could beat him. That's um, incredible. I did ask him about Jack. I was like, what about Jack? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, well, that guy was pretty uh-huh, good. Let's be uh-huh. fair. Like, in our era, it was Tiger. Uh-huh. He was just like, yeah, yeah. Tiger's showing up. You might, you're going for second. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Is there someone in female tennis that you've admired now or in the past? Serena, I don't know, mm-hmm. Everett, you know, Steffi Graf. Somebody, who do you think was the best in women's tennis mm-hmm. other than yourself? I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think Everett was pretty incredible. I've learned recently more about her career. But now watching Iga uh, play, I think it's pretty inspiring to me. And I also respect her as a player because she, of course, supports Ukraine. So she's a very versatile player on the court, but also she's using her platform to convey a message about Ukraine, to speak up. I think it's important for a professional athlete to really speak out on issues like war, you know? I think she's, A lot again, of people don't. 100%. A lot of people stay out of it. Exactly. And I think it's not really right. And so, yeah, I love watching her play. Really entertaining um, Polish player. Mm. Serena, of course, is a legend. Was she the best? I mean... Of course, me growing up and watching her a lot, I could say so, yeah. She was pretty good. 100%, yeah. I mean, I, I was, I caught, I was, I'm a little, a little bit older than you, but I caught mm-hmm. like the Steffi Graf era. Mm-hmm, there. She mm-hmm. seemed pretty legit, mm-hmm. but I don't think she got anywhere near Serena's like majors uh-huh. level. I, I, don't, I don't think so. Yeah, I think she's a little bit behind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. And I've read, I just recently read Roger Federer's book, and we talked about. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called The Maestro. It's somewhere in this room. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and I talked about this the other day about. Men- mental strength mm-hmm. and how you sort of don't allow your opponent to see you because in golf it's just you versus the course mm-hmm. nobody really but in tennis you got an opponent and 100%. I can when, when I'm watching you play matches yeah. I can see when somebody's getting frustrated or yelling 100%. or stomping their feet or something yeah. so I read and, and, and Federer was always one of my favorite players because I liked his one hand backhand yeah. which is such a bad thing these days but <laughs> I have one uh-huh. Uh, but I understand he had quite a temper when he was yes. a young boy. Yes, and, and he's had a change. Yeah, and he had to like it. harness that. Mm-hmm. And turn, now he's just like nobody I, knew. I mean, you would never know. Yeah. But um, I think, and you know, he trained it probably, and it's a constant habit. Would it be during practice? I think recently I listened to that pos- podcast of a famous. I think he's an English psychologist, Bill Baswick. Okay. He talks about building mental strength and how he gives athletes the set of rules or set of routines that they repeat and once they build those routines during practice that shows up in matches then you can always like when you see these players going crazy there's somebody working with them and rebuilding that and then you see the end result of them being calm and finding you know that calmness in a match and stability um you mentioned speaking out on causes social Mm -hmm. you know i know you have some social media interests etc But you said something to me earlier in the week that you cut off your social win in tournaments. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't want to blow your head up here. Actually, mm-hmm. I do want to blow your head because you got to match in a few hours. So let's get you over the top. Uh-huh. But, but uh, I mean, you're kind of an inspiration, as you mm-hmm. may know, to a lot of women. I'm mm-hmm. sure, especially mm-hmm. I have a lot of women that listen to this. A lot of mm-hmm. younger women that are just starting their careers or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. You chose, and you know, you chose at certain times to stay out of the public light because uh, it's you get. Tell me why you you shut off your Instagram this week. Yeah, sometimes, I mean, in tennis, there's a lot of batting, and people can always message you. When I was playing in, you know, ITFs in Europe and Africa, people were just messaging me horrible things. And they can just I find mean, your social media and just write weird things to you. So that, and then also, I believe that's one of the reasons. Second reason is 
just time consuming you know when you do have an instagram you just kind of scroll mindlessly and i think yeah it's again i prefer to be focused and i always check my screen time on phone you know oh really yes i really am very meticulous about it and checking it and making sure i'm not staying because then i don't want to look back on my life and think oh my god i spent five hours a day on my phone so i really try to be smart about that no no i like that yeah um the, the the fundamental nature of this podcast is to talk to folks that I think are cool and interesting mm-hmm. that have overcome you know some significant things clearly you have mm-hmm. um, you know what would be probably the biggest challenge you ever uh, encountered in your life was it moving to the states was it the war was mm-hmm. it you know the getting back in the tennis profession mm-hmm. after being in a career like mm-hmm. what looking back on the, your young life yeah <laughs> I mean tell me what's what's really really was really hard for you uh-huh course as we talked about the war I think I can dedicate a lot of time talking about that but one of the other things that come to my mind I was doing my um, MBA uh, in Tulsa and my grandparents passed and that's where my closest people you know it's my best friends I used to call them every day so when that happened um, there was a lot of I was really sad in a really low place and especially Mm -hmm. because living in America, you always worry about visas, right? About expiration dates and all of this. And I felt like I didn't spend enough time with the most important people in my life, which were my grandparents, because of the visa, because of worrying about, you know, all of these things that... So I felt a lot of shame and I felt like, wow, I've just spent time in... And I know I was doing the right thing. And How long ago was this? How many years ago? This was two years ago. Oh, yeah. Exactly two years ago. So, yeah, it's hard to, when I lost those people, to know that, you know, I was studying, but the visa thing, I always felt like I'm chasing a visa and a paper and all of this when I missed on the most important people in my life and time with them. So that was really hard for me to come to terms with. And it's always you battle with having all your relatives and loved ones back home and living alone in America. And I know I was working on degrees, achieving things. But looking back now, those were the happiest times of my life being with my family members. I like that. I, here in America, yeah. I have two young kids that I see half time basically, yeah. and uh, we had a long dinner last night and talked yeah. about why mm-hmm. why I, I, I would join a union and uh-huh. get married and do these things. And I realized after so many years of therapy that I wanted kids, so uh-huh. I love family. Yeah, and I'm ready for more. Yeah, but, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm happy to have as many as possible. Mm-hmm. But I think um, I think there's parts of the world where family is more. Hundred percent. Just it's just like the, yeah. what life is about. Yeah. I think in the states sometimes we we go different directions very easily. Yes. In this part of the world. Exactly, so. and I think it's and you could see it in dating too, right? So I always compare my dating life here and then dating in Ukraine. Most of my friends back home, which I have high school friends, I have tennis friends, have a variety of friends. Most of them are with their girlfriends or fiances for years since I've been in America. They've been together for ten years. And I think it comes from, again, as I said before, living in Ukraine is not that easy. It's a tough country. It's hard to make money, not as, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, as yeah. here. So people really stick together. You, you just don't betray the person you're with, whatever the hardship you're going with. And that's a big mental check for me. Again, even comparing my dating to my friends, I just see a big difference. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I, I think it's in a mental thing and that, that we always stick together. My parents always stick together. A lot of, you know, examples of people just really standing strong, whatever it is. I like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, uh, it would yeah. make sense. That's what we all want as exactly. a union, I think. Exactly. It exist, TBD. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. Um, well, if, if in the next few years or let's say the next two years, I mean, if you had your 
if you had, you had a realistic but you know mm -hmm. uh, interesting path, one that you wanted to achieve. I mean, what do you think tennis looks like for you over the next two years? You're going to play a lot of tournaments. Do yes. You have, I mean, if you're I don't have, mm -hmm. you win a few things and yeah. you get into certain events. I don't really 100%, know the process. That's, you, that's how it works. You just play more tournaments, you make more points, you get to play in a higher level event. You know, and my goal is to in, in those two years just keep progressing. Whatever it is, starting from 15k's, ending with 60k's and higher and higher. So I think it just seeing a progress would be really important for me um, across these few years that I'm giving myself to play tennis. So hopefully that all works out. What are the things that you could do now or as you go through this, mm -hmm. um, endeavor mm -hmm. to improve what you want to, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, when I, when I play in tournaments in golf mm -hmm. and which I've won zero recently, <laughs> mm -hmm. I came in second a couple of times, mm -hmm. but I was coming in like fifth or seventh or 20th, mm -hmm. you know, years ago. Mm -hmm. What are the things that you can do or you're doing now to, Keep yourself thinking about progression rather than just mm -hmm. victories. Because I imagine winning is really, really hard. Yeah. Especially, it's probably going to take mm -hmm. a while to actually mm -hmm. win a full-on mm -hmm. tournament. But 100%. I mean, what are tactics that you, do you journal? Do you take yes. notes? Mm -hmm. Do you, what do you do as an athlete? 100% there is multiple tactics you can do. And I think journaling is a big one. You know, like one of the techniques that I really like, for example, on one page you're writing down maybe your fears, what you're worried about. Ah. And everything that you're feeling in your head, you gotta put out on a piece of paper. And on the other side, you're gonna write, what can I do today, you know, to either change it or help it. And when you have an action that you can contradict with those thoughts that you're having, it's very important. For example, tomorrow I'm gonna wake up at six and go run. You know, so you can always build on things and kinda make that voice smaller and smaller by the things you actually actively are doing. I like the yeah. So it's really really action. Helpful. Yeah, probably exactly. Right. Exactly. Like people get stuck in their own way. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. So I think pushing through it and working hard is really is really gonna help to push through tough moments. And but uh, at, right now you also do a little bit of uh, consulting. I think maybe mm -hmm. some some uh, stuff yes. on the war that you cover. So yes. you're not just under hundred percent tennis all yeah. day every day. I, yes. I think that's super healthy, by the way. Yes. Because you got to turn this thing off every once in a while. Hundred percent. I think it's yeah, and I'm not a type of player who can be thinking about tennis twenty four seven. This week has been tough, as you know. But usually <laughs> I need to um, I need to switch off. So I'm working for a Ukrainian company back home that I've been working since December with, and you know we're covering the war and some things I can share about, but a lot of things that we do is. Uh, connected to the war and it really helps me to feel like I'm helping my country, you know, working for them and the stuff that we write about, I feel like I'm not only donating money to help Ukraine, but also putting my knowledge and my skills into work and my English to help them. Yeah, yeah. Really, it's really nice. And of course, the time difference, I sometimes work at 5 a.m., 6 a.m. That's okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I love to wake up early, so it kind of helped me with that habit to be up early. And then, yeah, once I'm done, I go to practice and finish the day off with tennis. Mm. Well, you know, it's funny. I was talking to Lance, who's housing you this uh -huh. week, which is super sweet, and then the yeah. family. Um, and we like we don't have a lot of inspirational people around. Uh -huh. like, the people we hang out are more uh -huh. like us, which is really not inspirational. Like hey, we have some fun. We like to work uh -huh. hard, have a good time, uh -huh. those sort of things. But you know, get, just having you in, in in part of the life last week has been fun for us, mm -hmm. and you're really kind of. Yeah, you know, you give people inspiration. Henceforth, this podcast. Mm -hmm. So, hundred uh, percent, it's been so nice to be here. It's fun to have people that are trying to move uh -huh. forward, especially in professional sports, and realize that hey, it is what it is. Yeah, you know, and mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to play tennis forever, regardless. Exactly. So exactly, and I think that 
having degrees and having the experience that I had has given me that safety pillow, you know. Of course, I'm risking right now. I'm not working. I'm not doing, you know, a regular thing that a 26-year-old would do after an MBA. But that's given me a safety pillow, you know. Of course, this is what I dream about and this is what I want to do full-time in my life. But I also know I have a plan behind and that it keeps keeping me calm, you know. I, I, I tell young golfers that I play with that. I'm yeah. like, you are great. Exactly. Get a job, too. Exactly. Like, you know, one, just, and that's you see more in professional tennis people out of college. And I think that's an amazing example for everybody. And I think being the more intelligent you are, I think the better it is, you know? You can't just play tennis and say, I'm just a tennis player. There's so much more to life than just saying I'm a tennis player. I want you to write that down and remember, okay? <laughs> if you're in the set today, right, like, put it on your racket. <laughs> oh, hold up the sign on yeah. the side. Well, we're so proud of you, and um, it's just been so fun to get to know you this week. And and get all this recorded on on our podcast uh 100%. and we um you know when it's we, you go big time you know <laughs> i always remember my charleston people <laughs> <laughs> don't forget us okay when you're no. at wimbledon we'll, we'll sit we'll sit we don't have to be inside the stadium we can be on the lawn but <laughs> no that would be incredible charleston is such a cool city and seeing where they host charleston open i think it's also inspired me. I'm like, wow, this would be so cool to play, play right the, the actual event. Yeah. yeah, I think it was really nice to go on the grounds and see it with Lance. Um, yeah, but overall, very nice people. You know, I live upstate New York now. People are nice there too, but here I feel like they're even more, you know, they even have more soul and they're even more welcoming here. It's a, it's a nice it part of the it country, is, it is, yeah. It is the, it is, uh, it is the best city in America. Yeah. So, yeah been, I think it's on, you keep it's, saying it's on record. It. So, but I'm, I'm, it's actually not. There's bugs here. There's a lot of mosquitoes. It's really hot. Don't come to Charleston. <laughs> no. Well, we wish you well. You're going to do great. Um, Thank you so much. And uh, we're excited to see the match today. So. Yes. I'm excited to play again. Yeah. Well, good luck. And thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah.